Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 396. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is... Are you looking at me? Yeah. Uh, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Very good. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about success and the relationship between good and bad, or lack thereof. Does that sound good? Or the how they go together. Or either. how they mesh. Yes. Um, we'll do announcements later, so let's just jump right in. Does that sound good, my darling? Sure. So this is a quick clip. Um, don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but I've wanted to share it with our audience for the last month or so, and I just haven't gotten around to it. So this, for another reason, is for me to check it off my to-do list because I love checking things off my to-do list. Is that your version of success? It is. I love checking things off my to-do list. So this is a 50-second clip. Um, it's a TEDx talk, and it's uh, written by, or it's given by a guy named Robert Waldinger, and he's some Harvard professor study guy. And the study was on adult development. And he has unprecedented access to data on true happiness and satisfaction, which is something that I think we all should know a little bit more about. All righty. You with me? I'm with you. Um, so in the TED Talk, he shares three important lessons. I'm not going to uh, go through all of them with you. It's about a 22-minute TED Talk, but I want to play about 50 seconds and get your re reaction. You ready? Here we go. Once we had followed our men all the way into their 80s, we wanted to look back at them at midlife and to see if we could predict who was going to grow into a happy, healthy octogenarian and who wasn't. And when we gathered together everything we knew about them at age 50, it wasn't their middle-aged cholesterol levels that predicted how they were going to grow old. It was how satisfied they were in their relationships. The people who were the most satisfied in their relationships at age 50 were the healthiest at age 80. And good, close relationships seem to buffer us from some of the slings and arrows of getting old. There we go. So does that ring a bell to you at all, sweetheart? Oh, yeah, it's 100%. I know. We talk about, well, whenever we talk to a group, we talk about connection and relationships. Like that is the end-all, be-all of everything that we try to bring awareness to. And not because it's like, isn't that nice? It's because it literally will help you li live longer and, and live, live more happily. Yeah. yeah. And, or more contented. You know, I was just listening to something and I'm, I, maybe you can help me. Um, it was talking about how exact same story about, you know, we go get a physical and a lot of these issues that we're having, we kind of connect it to, you know, how we're eating and, you know, all these things that are very true. Right. doesn't mean they're not true, but that really what's killing us and making us the sickest is our loneliness. Yeah. What was that that I was reading? Um, it's becoming kind of a thing. And actually in Brene Brown's new book, she talks a lot about that, yeah. about the, like the, we are at the height of loneliness right now. Well, and I think this is, obviously this is for both men and women, but I think men are, tell me if I'm wrong, but a little bit more prone to loneliness. Only because of the way society has, you know, the way that they structure their lives around who they think they should be. Correct. Which is focusing more yeah. on work. Yeah, it's not a biological thing. Correct. It is our society Correct. saying so anyways. And the, what they 
how they believe themselves to be successful is not necessarily around their relationships. And there has been, even though I think that many men do, there's still this like, I don't even know if we call it mythology. I don't even know what the language is anymore around that really a successful man is someone who has money. Right. Where if, you know, to me, a successful man is somebody who knows how to treat people, who has a connected relationship with their children, who like, you know, walks through the world in a way that is he's a force for good and gives back. Same with a woman. Right. But it's so interesting how we're like, well, they're successful because they're rich and they may be on their fourth marriage. They may be disconnected from their children. They may treat their employees horrible, but we're still like, see how successful they are. So what we're trying to do is just shift that shift that uh, framework yeah. on what it is. And maybe, you know, just having people like take a minute and go, yeah, wait a second. What do I think success is? Well, in my 20s, I used to like, you know, uh, friends used to, you know, get really successful really fast. And I, there's a part of me and probably every human being where you want to, uh, you know, you compare yourself Correct. to others. Yeah. But I don't know, the older I get, the more I... I view it through a different lens yeah. and I don't see them as successful. I see them as rich, Correct. but I also know that there are things that suffer as a result of their pursuit for wealth. And that the even with the wealth, that that doesn't dictate their happiness level. Like say that they're actually have, you know, um, they actually have a good relationship with their spouse or their children, that having more money doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be happier. Right. You know what I mean? There's a... And sometimes it goes the other the way. The other way, exactly. When you get too much money, um, then all of a sudden your priorities become out of whack. Right. And you forget what's most important. In the words of Michael Keaton from Mr. Mom, Sweetie, when he's talking to Terry Gar, Gar mm -hmm. and she's really successful with the Schooner Tuna campaign. Schooner Tuna. And he's in his Halloween outfit because uh -huh. he's a jail guy. He's a jail guy. And he says, don't forget, it's really easy in life to forget what's important. Right. So don't. Yes. The last two words are the most important. Just decide not to. Right. Anyways. And it's a, a bit of a push against a system because there's a lot of groupthink and there's a lot of structures set up that can make us forget pretty quickly. Like, you know, you need to put in more hours or I need to finish this because people are depending on me or I have to go on this business trip or I have to do more marketing or I, there's things set up that make us believe that we are going in the right direction or this is what everybody else is doing. But the thing is, is this is where we have to get into our own individual thinking. Is this the direction I want to go? And is this is what is this what success means to me? Which is what I really wanted to talk about with um, yeah. Simon. So say his last name because... I believe it's pronounced Cynic. Okay. So Simon Cynic, we have talked about him on the show before, but I think we call it, we said his name wrong. I think we said Cynic. Sinek. And then the the interview I just listened to called him Simon Sinek. Yeah. So what... Re regardless. Regardless. It's kind of like 
there, the other person that Todd and I really love, we love a lot of people, but you know, Esther Perel just wrote a new book called State of the Affair, I think. So she's doing all these interviews. Some people call her Esther Perel. But we Some now know call her, what it is. It is Esther. Esther. Okay. So. As in Fred Esther. As in Fred Esther, but it's spelled like Esther. Before you get into, uh, before we get into Simon Sinek. Yeah. Um, can we do a quick thing on Team Zen? Sure, What sure. it is. So Team Zen is a subscription-based um Invitation for any listeners out there. We do an extra few um, interactive podcasts a month, both video and audio. We use something called Zoom technology. Uh, we also do some Facebook stuff. Basically, it's like group co- group coaching, question and answer, and we just want to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of it. And if you're interested, just go to our website, zenparentingradio.com. It's a lovely community. In our last Zen talk, because that's what we call those live interactive talks, there was a lot of people on, and all and everybody was like helping each other. And Todd was like, "This." is it this is what we made did this for yeah well in the in most of our uh zen talk so zen talk is one of the components of being in In team Team zen Zen. yeah um but we were kind of feeding off each other's energy in a way that we Mm -hmm. hadn't done before Mm -hmm. so and there's maybe a dozen people on the call we Mm -hmm. have about 50 or so we have about 54 55 people and then the um but not everybody joins in live because it's like it's oftentimes noon in the middle of the day so for people who are working full-time or something it may not work but when we do different times too. So you might be able to make some live calls, but we send you mm-hmm. the um, the video and the audio of the Zen Talk and you can email us your questions so we can answer them on the Zen Talk. Yeah, it basically puts you in front of line because we get a lot of questions and like there's two questions that we have for today's podcast that I don't think we're going to get to. Right. So basically if you do the Team Zen, it we get kind to of it. pushes you up to the front of the line. So anyways, just because... Um, we don't have all the time in the world to do stuff. You know, I want before we jump back into Simon and success. Speaking of success, how about those Emmys last night? How about those Emmys last night? Yeah. Um, so I was. I love the Emmys. I was very scared because we went out to eat, and I thought the Emmys started at eight, and then I realized that they started at seven, and it was already seven forty-five, and I was so upset. And then Todd got in the car and he goes, "Don't worry, I taped it." And I was just really glad. So yeah. thank you. Well, I can now tape stuff. We say tape. You know, that's totally old school VHS tape. But I know. That's just, I'm I just showing my I taped it from my phone. I can do that with my UVerse app now. That is cool. You know what? I'm always going to say tape. I'm not going to. As a. as a. Um, what would we say? I digitally recorded it for you? DVR'd I mean, it. I DVR'd it. I guess that's fine. Um, but I really appreciated that. So I got to see the whole thing. And and here, you know, I'm not going to go through everybody who won, but I was so happy with with the winners this year was so diverse and there were so many surprises and there was so many shows that I thought were deserving. Many of them that I haven't even seen. I've just read about them and know that they're importance. Um, but I, it was a big night for women. It really was. Why? Because well, a lot of people hadn't seen it. Yeah. Well, a lot, all the, like the major shows that won drama, comedy, you know, limited series, they were all about women's issues. Mm-hmm. You know, The Handmaid's Tale won for like best drama, which is usually the biggest award of the night. Right. Um, and Oprah introduced that. And that was, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, that's got a pretty strong message if you've read Margaret Atwood's book. Like, And it's very timely. Have you read that book? Um, a long time ago. Oh, wow. And I don't watch The Handmaid's Tale. And for those of you who are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's so good. I know. And my girlfriends keep telling me to. It's just, it's heavy. Yeah. You know? It's like, I know... I know in there they have a season two coming and so obviously they're going to go off of the book and go into other places. Um, but, um, you know, 
It's a that book was written in 1985, and here we are in 2017. Sweetie, it's the year of the bears. We are the bears, shuffling crew, <laughs> shuffling on down, doing it for you. So two big things to come out yeah. of 85, both of the same importance. Well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> it's true. A lot of Chicago dads out there would probably say, say yes. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that I just thought it was really great. And I thought, so, you know, and obviously it was very heavy political comedy last night. You know, um, but uh, I was going to say something about, oh, there was something I was going to say about the Emmys. Can I talk about our first partner? Yeah, go ahead. Maybe I'll think. So Care.com, they are one of our amazing partners. What's Care.com? It's the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family health care. You can find care for everyone in the family, whether you need child care while you're at work or want to line up a date night babysitter. Care.com is there for you. Um, sitters, nannies, housekeepers, dog walkers, senior care, tutors, errand, errand runners, things like that. So errand runners, what's that? Anything you see, you want somebody to do an errand. Basically it's just people in this community and you do get like background checks and things like that with these people. If you, uh, upgrade to premium membership, but basically there's people out there that want to help and get compensated for it. So it's like a personal assistant, grocery stores, you name it. So a lot of different things. Um, so we have premium membership and you should get one too, but there is a special offer for our listeners. You got to go to care.com slash Zen and you'll get 30% off of a care.com premium membership. So go to care.com slash Zen and subscribe just like we do. All right. Um, did you figure it out? You know, I, I don't think so. I think I just wanted to comment on the, the women issue. And you know, one thing that came up is I got an email, um, I think last week, uh, from a listener and he wanted me to know, he actually started out by saying something very kind. He said, Kathy, you know, you're uh, very knowledgeable and, you know, thank you for sharing your information. But then there was a big but, and he said, you have to let Todd talk more. Oh yeah. Because I remember that guy. You demean him. Yeah. Um, with, the way that you talk sometimes. So of course I'm reading it to Todd. And my first question is, Todd, do, do I ever demean you? Do I kind of feel like I have to give you permission to demean me, but no, you don't didn't mean me on the surface and I don't have it going on inside. There's times when you and I don't see things eye to eye, but that's part of the show. Well, and I think that's kind of part of why I wanted to go into Emmys and women and everything, because I think, and again, I always, anytime someone says, Hey, you know, what you're saying is harmful or hurtful. I will take that into consideration. I'm, I would always listen to something if it's coming from a good place. And if it's a pattern, because there's, if one person gives you one bit of right. feedback. I've never heard that beyond this, right. this now, feedback. Now, if we heard this three or four times, Correct. maybe it's something that we should look at. That's the paradox between, you know, what other people think about you is none of our business. Right. While at the same time, you do need to solicit feedback because you can't see the world through a clean lens. Um, always, always. Right. And so. sometimes people's feedback, we said on the show that Wayne Dyer's thing was, you know, first of all, what you have to say about me is none of my business. It's, you know, I focus on what I'm doing. And then at the very same time, always listen to what other people have to say. It's a paradox. You know, you need to belong to yourself yeah. and focus on yourself. But at the same time, getting um, information from the outside world is what helps us get a clearer vision of ourselves. So, of course, I, you know, the first thing I said is, oh, Todd, do you ever feel demeaned? And he said, he said, no, but the but is that we do disagree. And sometimes I do challenge Todd. 
And I'm saying, and and I'm not assuming this about this this um, writer, mm-hmm. but sometimes if that structure is not typical of a woman really challenging a man, mm-hmm. it can feel like the man is being demeaned. Yeah, and I, and that is just something for us to. I'm just throwing that out there as a. A, a partnership, an equal partnership means that there are times when I think Todd's not seeing everything clearly. And it's my part of my uh, opportunity in our relationship to offer him my perspective as a human being, as a woman, as a partner, as someone who loves him. He does the same thing for me, you guys. And I hope you hear that on the show too, that he'll say, now, wait a second, you know, give me a chance or, you know, you're not understanding this this way. But I think Sometimes the structure we have set up is that when a man is in charge, that he's assertive Mm -hmm. and in charge. And when a woman has an opinion, she's bossy and bitchy. Right. And And that's, you know, you can go talk about Roseanne and, you know, to your point, uh, remember that video? We should try to find that video. The Um, Pantene one? Yeah. Yeah. We're all, it's like if a man looks in the mirror, he's neat. If a woman looks in the mirror, she's vain. Yes. If a woman is, if a man speaks out, then he's in charge. If a woman speaks out, she's being bossy and controlling. And, and again, I'm just kind of throwing that out there because there is, even though I will listen and I always want to be respectful of anybody, my husband or anybody, I think sometimes when a woman is, has something to say, Mm -hmm. it can be perceived as you're making, especially if it's to a man. Well, and I think it's important, like if this listener knew the way that you and I were structured, now we both, you know, our... I don't want to minimize ourselves, but our little Zen parenting right. company that we pick, yeah. that, that we have here, is owned 50-50. But you right. are the CEO boss. So if you and I feel very strongly about something, for example, we did mm-hmm. our screening last Monday mm-hmm. for angst. Mm-hmm. And I want to do like a 60-second meditation before the movie began. I thought it was mm-hmm. a good idea. You didn't. I believed in it. You believed in it. But just so, so everybody knows, men and women... Kathy is the boss of Zen Parenting. I am a very important contributor, but I know what my place is within the confines of this organization that she and I have created. And she'll listen, and sometimes she'll take my feedback, but there's other times where she feels in her conviction, and she stands in her in her place, and she holds true. I say that to the women who sometimes maybe you know we're brainwashed by the patriarchy like <laughs> oh he's the man he needs to decide that does that's not the way it works for zen parenting the mm-hmm. way you and i parent is that's 50/50 but this is a company that we've built mm-hmm. and there's times when i'm like no Kathy let's do this and you're like i hear you and we're doing this instead mm-hmm. so i don't know i just want people to know that and f- so everybody understands why this is my this has been my work since i was 20 whatever and i wrote books and started writing and i did you know i'm a, i've been a social worker my whole entire wor- life and so todd and i started working together what 10 years ago 7 years ago so it's not about it, it's about this is my profession from the time i was very young and todd has a respect for that mm-hmm. you've been doing this this is your profession he's in this profession too now and he's excellent um, but there is a, it's just like, well, you're more experienced. Oh, you more have, experience. you, you've been reading Wayne Dyer books when you were seven or 12 and I started when I was 28. Right. And, and so, you know, follow that through the, the whole, you know, timeline 
there's some significance there. Another example I'll give, and I don't know how we got on this tangent, but we spoke in Naperville last week. Yeah. And um, there is a group of awesome parents there that had awesome questions. And there are times when they ask these really kind of tough questions about how they deal with a certain situation with their children. And I'm honestly like, I don't know how to answer this. Thank goodness you're there because, and not to say you can't get stumped, but I have yet to see you get stumped. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it that way. So that's just another example of, I'm not trying to minimize myself. I know I'm very good at what I do as far Mm -hmm. as being a podcast coach and a life coach and a men's group leader. But when it comes to Zen parenting, I am second in charge. I'm the vice president, so. Producer too. And producer. I love producing. Well, and I appreciate that, Todd. I, I wasn't necessarily looking for you to do that. I just, I appreciate that. But I did want to say to the man who wrote to me, I appreciate your feedback, but my, and and I will make sure that Todd knows that every, and you know, like I'm saying right now, that I have the utmost respect for him and what he says and what he does. Mm-hmm. And the but is I do have an opinion yeah. and this and I do know things. I, I do have some knowledge that sometimes I believe Todd is not right. Well, and, and on the or on the wrong and or when, on the right track. And when we challenge each other, it's done with, with respect. With respect. Keep, yes. Carry this example to your kids. Yes. Your kids are going to do things that drive you crazy because our kids that do things that drive us crazy, like the strawberries last night. Yes. Oh my gosh. We got. I got kid, pretty upset about that. We got a kid who loves strawberries, and she's not real good at. She cuts off the tops and then she just leaves everything everywhere. We call it we call it squirreling. She squirrels the strawberries because <laughs> she's like a squirrel. But anyways, when we do have to uh, hold a mirror up to our kids for some of the things that they've committed to and mm-hmm. then not follow through with that commitment, we do it with respect. We don't start screaming at them. We don't start. You know, there's so many different ways of doing it. So this is not about. Um, uh, not holding your children accountable. It's about doing it with love and compassion and respect. So so Todd's saying that, what does that look like? I had asked Skylar probably a million and one times after you squirrel your strawberries and that whole thing is late sitting out on the table, please put it away. And a lot of times I'll walk by and I'll say, don't forget to put that away. I know, I know. Well, you guys know what I'm going to say. An hour will go by and I'll see those things still sitting out. And so I'll say, Skylar, you need to come down here. And my and what I say to her is, listen, you told me you would do this. I trust you. And what's happening when you don't do it is you're teaching me to not trust what you say. So how can we figure this out? And I just hand it back to her. And when I'm saying we, I don't mean we taking care of the strawberries. I mean we within our relationship because you're telling me something and you are not following through. And she's young, so there's a lot of I forget. But she's not six. She's not six, and there's a lot of I forget, I forget. And I said, I understand you forget, but then the question is how do you not? How do you make it more of a priority? Because right now you believe it's not. Now you guys may say, wow, that's just a lot of energy and such a deep talk for something so simple. I just want to yell at her and tell her to go pick it up. But that is isn't doing that that's not going to create a better scenario in the long run you're just you know creating you might, a disconnection you might scare the bejesus out of them right. and they'll do it but at, in that well, moment yeah but the question that i always ask is at what cost right. so i mean yeah you can get your kids to jump pretty high if you want to but what is the um what is the cost of that form of discussion or and, discipline. And just like, you know, kind of connecting it to relationship again, like what Todd and I were talking about is our relationship 
um, you know, when it comes to this work that we do may be different in the sense that, like Todd said, I, I am the CEO of Zen Parenting, so maybe that's not the typical structure. And again, that's not in every aspect of our life. That's just in this aspect of our life. And it's not the typical structure to have a, you know, soul to soul or eye to eye conversation with our child about not following through with something. We think it's a hierarchy of you yell at your kid, you tell them what to do, you make them feel bad, and that's how you get things done. And all we're doing in the show is not saying do it this way, but question those belief systems. Does it have to look that way? And can things change or can things actually work if with a different viewpoint, with a different way, with a different relationship structure? Like can is that possible and could that lead to more contentment and a and deeper relationships i mean that's the big question and you have to practice it this on your own to know if it does for you yeah. because just listening to this show and being like yeah they and you know as as always one of my challenges is when people are like that's easy for you guys but we can't do that and i disagree because Todd and I, if you guys knew Todd and my entire history and everything that the experiences we've gone through from the time we met each other at 21, you would be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you've had some issues and it's, it is possible. So it's not us saying, yeah, we, you know, we found each other and it was perfect and we've never fought and we've never, this is every relationship requires the same kind of self-awareness and dedication. It's not just about those people are lucky and I'm not. Yeah. There are choices that you make. So that's um, that kind of was a spinoff from the Emmys, but I'm glad we were able to talk about that email too because it really isn't about the email because I the man was actually fairly thoughtful yeah. in how he wrote to yeah, me. Yeah, he wasn't a He wasn't a jerk. Or uh-uh. a jerk. He I didn't was, feel he was that giving way. honest feedback and we say thank you. Thank you. And then my question back is, is it uncomfortable when a woman yeah. questions a man. Right. And that is the that's the conversation if, you know, we were together yeah. that I would have and and he would say yes or no. So before I play the Simon Sinek uh, uh-huh. clip, we have uh, our partner um, is back, canvaspeople.com. We talked about them a few months ago. They're back and uh, what is Canvas People? They are an easy to use photo to canvas service that takes your favorite photo, memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. Uh, so instead of letting your pictures waste away on your iPad or your phone, upload them to canvaspeople.com. You make a canvas. And here's the best part. You like free stuff, sweetie? I do. This is a free thing. Uh, you get a free 11 by 14 canvas. It's free. I mean, I just still can't believe they do this for our listeners. You just pay the shipping. And the promo code is Zen. So you have to click on the 11 by 14 canvas. If you have that awesome picture that you took last week of your kid doing this or your friends doing that, um, Uploaded to canvaspeople.com, promo code ZEN, and you just pay uh, free uh, pay shipping. Everything else is free, so can't can't beat it. That's cool. Um, all right, Simon Sinek, here we go. Uh, this is uh, I'll post this video on our uh, show notes. Um, this is Simon Sinek's Ten Rules for Success, Volume Two. I got to look at Volume One. Yeah, and um, here we go. Um, so. When people say to me, how do you measure success? The question we all have to ask ourselves, am I successful? I don't know. I mean, I had a good year last year. uh, And what does that mean? Does that mean I made a lot of money? Does that mean I was really happy? Oh, I'll let you decide, right? Right. Um, Maybe neither, maybe both. Um, I had a good year last year, but am I successful? And the answer is no. I don't feel I am because I'm trying to build a world that doesn't exist yet. I'm trying to build a world in which 
90% of people go home at the end of the day feeling fulfilled by the work that they do. So I definitely took a step, a big step forward towards that goal, but I'm still so far away. So somebody said to me, then how do you know if you're successful? And the answer is, if it can go by itself. And so what is more interesting to me as a measurement of success is not the, 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 the markers per se, it's not the, the financial goal or the, the, the size of the house that you want to buy. Those are nice things. Go for it. Those are, but those are not measurements of success. Those are just nice things to collect along the way. Right. Um, for me, it's momentum. I want to measure momentum, which is, you know, when, when something is moving and you start to see it lose momentum, you're like, uh-oh, give it a push. Because if you don't give it a push, it's going to stop. And an object in stasis is much harder to get going. It requires a lot more energy to get something started than it does to keep it going, right? right. And so if you don't let it stop and you can keep it going, it's this, you know, it still might slow down down there, but you can get it going again much easier. And for me, the opportunity is to get the ball rolling faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and bigger and bigger. There we go. Yeah, momentum. Well, this reminds me of Tony Robbins because Tony says the key to happiness is progress. Mm-hmm. It's not perfection. And mm-hmm. it sounds like cliche, but um, you know, if you have a significant problem you're dealing with at work or your relationship or your kids and it's you know overwhelming, it's not about getting to the point where you want to go. It's are you moving in the right direction? Yeah. And you know, in that same video, Simon differentiates between a goal and success because they are very different things. Like a goal is something very specific. Like the example he gives, I'll just use, you know, running a marathon. You have to, what is it? 26.2? Yep. How about those stickers that people put on their car? We have, we have a friend <laughs> named Jerry who loves that sticker. Well, and it makes, you know, cause there's a lot of people who do a marathon or a half marathon and then they put that number on the back of their car. And we, we found this really funny thing that people put on the back of their car and it just says 0.0. Right. Um, so we gave that's it to the, That's some people get annoyed at the floor flaunting of marathoners. Right. So somebody else made a sticker. It's <laughs> That's a 0.0. 0. 0. Which is funny. And you know what? Let me just say, just for the record, if you've run a marathon, I think you have every right to to put that up. It's not easy. Remember, there was an Onion article and the title <laughs> oh, yeah. of it was... Um, it was something woman to be... runs a marathon and doesn't let anybody know on social networking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but as people, Todd's run a marathon. I have not. I have. Um, I'll never run one again because it sucked. But I used to do triathlons. And when I did triathlons, I think if social media would have been around at the time, I probably would have been like, I finished a triathlon. So yeah, well, it's, you work hard. Yeah. You, you want to share it and you want to take credit for yeah. you know, Everybody has different reasons. And there's a community aspect yeah. to it. You know, like, oh, it's something we bond about. But anyway, a, a marathon is like a goal. You know, here's, here's what I have to do. I have to run this many miles and I did it. I completed it. It's done. Success is harder to, you can't really judge it by that. And if you do, then you're kind of missing the boat of what success is. And, and unfortunately, our businesses are set up that way. Did you meet that milestone? financially did you know um it did were the shareholders happy with this number did you get the bonus and so it's it's structured around an idea that doesn't really make us happy and what he's talking about is momentum is when you feel like things are moving forward. Mm-hmm. And what does moving forward mean? Now, you may say, well, that's the same thing. Are you moving forward financially? Are you making more money? Are you getting a bigger house? And that's not what I mean at all. And I, I don't think that's what Simon means because he actually says, 
you know, you can collect things along the way, but that's not it. The question is, do you feel like you're learning more? Do you feel like you're offering more? Do you feel like you're growing as a person? Do you feel like you've learned um, some things that you can share? Do you feel like you've kind of corrected some things that maybe you hadn't looked at before? Mm. You know, momentum is like, are you moving forward and becoming the person um, that you kind of always hoped you would? What is the... uh, I think you were coaching somebody or you're with somebody and they were struggling with a pretty significant crisis. Yeah. And I think your advice to her was what's the next best thing? The It's actually something that a lot of people have kind of taken ownership of. So I don't know who to give credit to so this. So what does that mean when you do tell the someone? next right thing? Thank you. Do the next right thing. Um, do the next right thing to me. What it's always meant to me is it's not about the goal setting of by next year, I'm going to be happy or in three months, I'm going to lose weight or, um, you know, in, in the next you know couple of weeks, then I'm going to spend time with my kids because really you're just pushing off what you know you should be doing right now. The question is, what is the next right thing to do in this moment? Mm. And notice I'm I'm not, you know, you use the word best because you were trying to get me to remember. It right. really, right is a very different word. Right. What's the next right thing? Yeah. And even when I say that word, you guys know what I mean. Because we may say, oh, the next thing I really, the next best thing is for me to eat five Oreos yeah. like I did last night, FYI. We got to get throw those Oreos away. They wanted to buy double stuff at the grocery store last I know. night. I said, mom's going to be happy and then she's going to be mad. I'm going to be mad because i not mad at people, but just if they're around, they're Oreos and they're just good and they just need to not be in my house. Do you know there's no chocolate in Oreos? I know, which is crazy. That's Weird, crazy. Right? What is it? It's just a lot of chemicals. Yummy chemicals, though. They're just really good Oreo chemicals. <laughs> we love Oreo chemicals. That's our next tagline. Oreos, feel free to partner with us. <laughs> Oreos, we love your chemicals. We love your chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> They're coursing through my veins right now. Is there right anything now. real in Oreos? I don't know. I don't know what it is. And why? you? Because what's funny is you always... Whether it's um, a fake fragrance on the paper towel, not the the fabric softeners, like you don't like any. Or why do they put fragrance on garbage bags? Yeah, it's be, the worst. To, uh, yeah, like that stuff. So you rarely like anything that has like a fake thing to it. Yeah. And Oreos are fake things. I guess I just don't know what it is, but I like it. It's a problem. So no more buying it unless we're on vacation. I have never bought it. You do oh, it. Somebody I think. Yeah, it. I think I bought. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So any anyway, that probably wasn't the next right thing. It was just something I wanted to do. Sweetie, this is what's in Oreos. Okay. Enriched flour. Okay, I know what that is. Um, I can't pronounce these other words. Wheat flour, niacin, reduced iron, thiamine, monotrate, vitamin B one, riboflavin. Vitamin B2. You know what? I need more B2. Folic acid. Is I need good? folic acid. Sugar. I don't need that. High oleic canola oil. Some dextrose. I need a little dextrose. Ooh, high fructose corn syrup. Baking soda, salt. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Huh. Well. Sorry. Some, <laughs> some of it's good. Some of it's not so good. But the the next, you know, going back to what is the next right thing what I love about the next right thing is not so much about the, um, it, it's about, it's a mindfulness practice to me because a lot of times when I get very concerned about tomorrow or about next week or about something we need to do later, 
that's then where my thoughts go. And I focus on something I can't access in that moment anyway. I can't do my Thursday night presentation right now if I tried, Mm -hmm. meaning it's it's Monday. I can't focus. So what's the next right thing to do? The next right thing to do is to get in the shower, you know, go be good, you know, go joke with my kids, go give Todd a hug. Like what's the next right thing? Well, and it's funny, all you're talking about now that I'm just having this realization yeah. now is mindfulness. Exactly. It's, it's That's just how another I use it. teachable tool. It's another tool in your toolbox to bring your back bring it back to the present moment. That's all that is. Exactly. And I think a lot of times when teachers use that, because again, there's a lot of people who kind of claim that they're talking about a value system, like do the next right thing. And it's always helped me as a mindfulness practice, because then the only thing you have to do is the next thing. Do you see what I mean? Because that's the only thing you can do anyways. Exactly. You know what? I'm thinking maybe Anne Lamott was the first person I heard who said that, because it's also for people in recovery. It's a really big deal to say, do the next right thing. Do you know who else needs this advice? Who? In horror movies, when the bad guy is chasing the girl and the girl gets in her car and she's fidgeting with her keys because she's so scared, she just needs to do the next right thing. Which is Which is put... Hold on to the keys without shaking uh-huh. and put it into the ignition. I know, but then there would be no like um, build up. I know. Because if she just drove away, then nobody, everyone would be like, that just wasn't I scary. I still don't know how Michael and Jason caught anybody. They're slow walkers. Todd went to see It yesterday. Oh, quick review on It. Uh, it's just so dumb. Was it really that bad? I'm pretty sure it was just dumb. Okay. Now, I also think I might be a jaded 45-year-old man who wanted to not like the movie. Yes. But from my perspective, like there was no story. Like I told, I told JC, like JC and I watched Misery about a year or two ago. Uh-huh. Just like a cool, scary, suspenseful story. Like I didn't, I didn't understand the story in it. Why does that clown live there? Do you remember? Um, the clown apparently is the personification of everybody's fear. Yes. I don't know why it lives in the sewer and it kind of gets around in and out of the sewer. Well, Stephen King always has, um, deeper meaning in what he's writing. I feel like I need to research because I feel like I missed something. Well, and I think what you just said is the big thing is that the big question of it, like the big overreaching question is, is this town inherently bad? And that's why Pennywise comes to the town or did Pennywise show up and then that made the town bad? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the chicken and the egg fear thing. Is he like the 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 bringing together of everybody's fear and or did everyone's fear bring him in? So I'm going to help our listeners. If okay. there's anybody, if there's any listeners out there that like horror movies, but they're so scared that they don't go to them, do what I do. Well, first of all, I have a, a pretty good knack for compartmentalization where I can just kind of, even if I get scared, I'll like, decide that I don't want to be scared anymore afterwards. But what I do is whenever I'm looking at a movie and I'm scared, I think that there is a, because there is a boom mic a guy, key, a key grip holding up the microphone over the scary clown. Yeah. And there are dozens of camera people around filming all this. Right. And I, you're kind of basically convincing your brain to Think about something that isn't there, but right. it is there. I know right. it's there. There's a camera there. So basically you don't lose yourself in the story. Exactly. But that's yeah. that sucks too, though. Right. Because that's, there's losing a trade-off. yourself in the story right. is sometimes why you go to the movie. Right. Um, well, and it's funny because my daughter who is in high school, she wanted to go and obviously she's not... Um, you know, 17 because it's a radar movie. So she asked if we would take her. And initially I said I would go because I have a like an 
issue with horror movies to me are kind of a little bit like uh, not a drug. What's the right word? They they're like a roller coaster. So like I really want to go, but then I'm told it's like a thing of Oreos. Yeah. Where I'm like, this is gonna be great. Yes. And then afterwards I feel horrible. So I love my husband so much because <laughs> he said so I called him yesterday. I was it long story, but I called him and I said, Okay, JC wants to go to it at three. Um, so wh- who's going to take her? And he's like, I'll take her. And I said, you know, I really want to do this. I want to go see it. And he goes, yeah, that's why I'm going to take her. And well, what and I the reason pre- I say that I know is because you're going to be scared out of your mind tonight when we go to bed. I know you allowed me to not self harm because yeah. really it is a self harm. And he's known me long enough to know that I get really excited, um, about the idea of it. And then it screws me up. We're going to so- title this podcast Oreos and it. <laughs> I just decided. <laughs> or not. Why Sweetie Eats Oreos and Why She Wants, wants to Go, to go see, see It. And here's the thing. That is, these are, all of us are like this. If my Oreos and It is somebody else's right. whatever. Right. And and the thing is, is you have to decide what's good for you. And unfortunately, it takes a lot of practice. This is kind of funny. Like those of you who, you know, sometimes go out and have some drinks like, Todd and I have known each other since we were 20, right? And so we've been out together a lot. And we, sometimes it'll be like, you know, midnight or something, and we'll realize we haven't had any water. Yeah. And we've like shared a bottle of wine or a couple of bottles of wine or whatever. And we're like, okay, have we not learned yeah. yet yeah. in the last 25 years, drink water or eat? Yeah. And it's like, we, we do these self-harming behaviors or just the fact that we open the second bottle, right. you know, like, haven't we learned to not do that? And sometimes we, I don't even know if I want to say forget, we decide to not look at it. And we decide I'm going to move forward in this way and just not look at it. And it's a practice though, because then you, then we're much better at it now than we were before. We are. But what's weird is that when you do open that second bottle of wine or you choose not to drink that water, you're really, what you're doing is, I think, maybe this is a paradox, but you are in the moment. Yes. You're not thinking about how you're going to feel tomorrow morning. True. But at the same time, you're escaping the present moment. Exactly, because that's like saying, I'm driving the car, and the reason I didn't turn the blinker on is because I was just flowing with driving. Well, that's not safe. Yeah. You know, that's not, there is, this is the mind-body thing. This is, you, we need, you know, when we talk about, let's live in our hearts and go with what our heart says. Well, you need your mind, too. You can't just be like, everything I'm going to do is going to be just in this flow. That may be your leader. That is the leader, but you've got to bring your brain into it or else you're not going to make great choices. Like, you know, I was listening to uh, Rob Bell's podcast from last week, which I thought was fantastic. He hadn't done a podcast in like a couple of weeks. He took August off. He took the whole month off. So it was about wisdom. And one thing he said, uh, and again, I can't really do it verbatim, but every experience we have, we inherit a new wisdom. We, We bring in a new wisdom and then we just continue to build on that wisdom. And then we can, it gets just like, gets more fuller bodied and we like, we have more access to it and it just gets more, it gets stronger. Yes. So um, I'm raising my hand because I think, was he saying, because I didn't listen to the podcast, at least not that part. Mm -hmm. Was he saying that that happens or that's 
what ought to happen if you allow for it to happen, because there's plenty of experience where we don't get any smarter and we continue to choose the wrong thing. Good question. Well, we always have the opportunity, meaning obviously every experience we have, we learn something. We either have a positive outcome or a negative outcome, depending on what we want. Now, the question is, do we then look at that and then build on that, meaning do we take that wisdom and then allow that to influence how we manage it next time? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we are unwilling to do it any differently. Like for those of us who continue to lose our phone or continue to lose our wallet or our purse, you'd think we'd be like, okay, when I come home, I'm going to hang the keys here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because we know how we constantly lose things. So why not set up a structure so that doesn't happen? But we like don't use the wisdom of, oh, it might be a good idea. And we continue to perpetuate the same thing. Now, obviously I'm using something very subtle or very something non-threatening, which is losing our keys. We do this in relationships. You know, we decide we'll have a fight with someone. We'll totally throw them under the bus. We'll go after them. And it's sometimes somebody we love, like our child or our partner. And then afterwards we feel horrible. And you'd think you would use that wisdom of that's not a connecting experience Mm -hmm. to maybe not do that the next time, but we do it five days later or two days later or two hours later. And someone will say, well, I can't help it. Actually, you have the knowledge or the body understanding, you know, this is a mind body again, that that isn't a good choice, but you are not willing to utilize that wisdom. You would much rather just react, 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 rather than respond with with wisdom. And as we shared, we I think we've done a few teaching gigs in the last few weeks is how do you respond as opposed to react. Right. And the answer is many different answers, Mm -hmm. but what we always come back to is breath work. Correct. Meditation, things like that. But breath work is easy for me because I don't have to commit 10 or 20 minutes in the morning. Um, Like I say that just because you don't have to have a meditation practice to create a space between stimulus and, and, and response. You can take three breaths. You can take one. You could take a breath. Yeah, like Todd. Todd's using the language breath work, but take the word work out of it. Yeah. Breathe. 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 But what does that mean, breathe? Because they're going to breathe regardless. Well, there's breathing. Your body will breathe regardless, yeah. but mental and to use mind and body is a totally different breath because so you your body breathes without you. Right. So when you say breathe, what do you mean? You, you make a choice to breathe. Even making the choice to breathe is a separation between yourself and the... And I would use the word notice right? as opposed to choose because it, the, the choice is already made. You mm-hmm. can't just decide not to breathe. You're going well, to breathe regardless. What I mean, Todd, is like right now you're going to be, breathe regardless, sure. but you participating yes. in that breath is a choice. Yes. Do you see what I mean? It is. Like your body is going to breathe no matter what. I like the word participate, participate. better than choose okay. or notice mm-hmm. or participate. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Well, and there was, you know, at the angst documentary um, that we did last week, which was really good, by the way. Thank you for coming, everybody. Yeah. The people who showed up, I, Todd and I had seen a screener of that movie um, before, but they actually, and I'm, I'm not going to say anything about it because I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but they actually added a lot to it. Yes. So we were surprised. We had seen the screener obviously before we wanted to decide to show it we really liked it we thought it had good information and then they added so much to it and it was wonderful it was better than we better than the first time we saw it and it really created a wonderful conversation in that theater um people were really brave and asking really big questions and one of the questions was a very young girl i think around nine years old asked a question how do I keep myself from going into a full-blown panic attack? Which is a really, A, brave question, and B, 
great question because she's not the only one in that theater who has ever experienced that. Right. Once you start to go into that hyperventilating, angry, can't get out of it place, what can you do? And the only answer is breathe. Breathe doesn't mean it's going to stop it automatically, but it is the next right thing in slowing it down. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you participate in your breathing, your body physiologically and emotionally and mentally will begin to slow down. So it may not stop the whole thing, but at least there'll be a little access to hold on to something. You know, just breathe. And then you can, then that will give you the accessibility to do the next thing, which is maybe ask for help or, you know, whatever the tools are that you use when you go into a panic attack. So, um, so anyway, so, um, we have, it's 8.59, you're going okay. to yoga. Okay. So what time do we have to be out of here? Uh, 10 more minutes? I have about five, 10 more minutes, okay. five minutes. Um, so real quick, um, I want to plug two things. One is I have a men's group and we have a meeting coming up on September 26th. If you're interested, if there's any Chicagoland men that might be interested in that, please shoot me an email at Todd at zenparentingradio.com or you can go to our website, which is the tribemensgroup.com. And the second thing I want to push is Kathy's books. We rarely ever talk about it, but Kathy's written three amazing books. Um, The best one is the most recent one called Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. And you can get it on our website or on Amazon. So, oh, thank you. Do you want to talk about good versus bad? I mean, you know, it's, I think we should save it. For, I think we should save it too uh-huh. because we have some Zen friends that we haven't. Oh yet. yes, Zen what is friends. It, what is a Zen friend? Okay, so everybody, our conference is March second and third, twenty eighteen. Um, it's I'm so excited, and Cheryl Strait is coming, and Orly Wab is coming, and Mike Damish is coming, and Todd and I are speaking on Friday, and um, part of when Todd and I decided to do a conference, we knew obviously that we needed to bring in advertisers and that we needed to put our own self on the line financially and all this kind of thing. But but we wanted to make sure that people had access to this conference, that obviously people who could pay the money for the ticket, great, we want you there. But there's going to be people, because we have a lot of single parents who listen to the show and a lot of people who may be having a tough year for whatever reason or are raising five kids and you know putting money toward a conference is difficult. So we want to make sure we have a scholarship program. And we obviously will support the scholarship programs ourselves, but we want this whole community of listeners to be part of that. We want it to be a community effort to get other people at to the Who conference. otherwise may, would not be able to come. Exactly. So what that means is we created something called Zen Friend, where when you buy your ticket, or even if you're not going to buy a ticket, that you can donate to the scholarship program and allow people who maybe can't afford it to attend. Um, and so last year it was wonderful. And this year it's kind of, it's talk about momentum. You know, it's starting up, you know, people are starting to donate. And I, I want to tell you <clears throat> that I have already, there's been four people already that have used Zen Friend funding um, to come to the conference. And one is a single mom, one is a man in the military. Um, one is a woman who wanted to bring her uh, teenager. So these are people who are really like, I really want to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going toward, it's a wonderful cause. So that's what Zen Friend is. So these are the people who have donated. So these are donors. Um, Kelly Copeland. Thank you, Kelly. Rebecca Gonzalez. Thank you, Rebecca. Andrea Robinson. Thank you, Andrea, who I was with this weekend. Kimberly Sourwine. Thank you, Kimberly. And Elizabeth Buswick. 
Thank you, Liz. So if you guys and and the donations are anywhere between twenty bucks up to much higher. So yeah, actually, if you donate fifty or above, you get your name in the program. Oh, there you um, go. And you know, but if you're like, well, I'm not going to do that, but I want to do five or ten, do it. It adds up because there's some people that say I can pay half price for the ticket, sure. and then that goes toward that. So there's nothing that don't feel like. It has to be a certain amount, but because we only have limited space on the program, yes. um, $50 and up is for uh, people who And donate. we have an early bird special for if you just want to register for the conference, and we don't know when that's going to expire. I think December 1st. So you got a little bit of time. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't want to create a false sense of urgency, but just put it on your to-do list. If you're planning to come, make sure you get your tickets by the end of November. Right. And also, so that you can get a single ticket, you can get uh, two tickets for really cheap, like $150 off. Again, I'm just talking, this is for early bird. You can also get a ticket with your teenager. So your teenager only ends up spending $25 for their ticket. So if you're bringing a teen, definitely use that option. And then also, if you are an educator, um, please email me because I will give you an extra discount. Um, and I mean an educator in any capacity. You can be a teacher at a school, at a university. You could be someone who's a parent educator. You could, you know, educator. You guys know what I mean by that. So um, we want you there because this is going to be awesome. It's going to be off the hook. Off the hook. Todd, um, just use that for the first time. We do have a iTunes review. So this helps us with finding sponsors and just... Um, having more people find our podcast. It's from Jerry Asono, MD. So I don't know if she's a medical doctor or if she's from Maryland. Oh, interesting. Maybe she's a medical doctor from Maryland. Or she's, oh, MD. That would be medical, yeah. Um, it says, love Zen Parenting, best podcast ever. And she says, Zen Parenting has helped me become a more self-aware and mindful person. I've not only changed how I approach parenting, but how I approach life. And she goes on from there. But thank you. That's very kind. Jaria. So if you want to get your name read on this podcast, give us an iTunes review or be a Zen friend because we'll kind of give you a, a, a shout on out. the Zen friend thing. Did you say a shtick? Yeah, whatever. And I also coach guys. So if there's any guys out there, we can do it on the phone, virtually, FaceTime, Skype. Uh, I'm looking for some clients. First session's free. So if there's any guys out there that want some support, uh, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Um, don't forget about our amazing two other partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and that's chirotree.com, and uh, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, and that's avidco.net. And we're going to see Jeremy tomorrow because he is going to help us move our studio from one section of our basement to another section of our basement. We're going to studio it up. We're going to have like a real studio. Yeah. We already have a real studio. But it's part of the basement. It's part of the basement. We, we kind of want to have it in its own area. So, uh, and don't forget, Jeremy is a bald-headed beauty. He is, it's which important. is the most important part. Um, anything else, my darling? I think that's it. I uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And again, just start to consider what your definition of success is. You know, what does momentum mean to you? And you may, it may not be what you have originally thought. You may say, really, what I want is to leave the world a better place. And you may not do it in your lifetime, but it's definitely a worthy vision. And that's our vision more compassion right. for ourselves and others. That's right. And keep trucking. That's also part of our vision. It is. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. 
Are you a force for good? Yes. If so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Domish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys on the phone skype or in person contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribe we would love to have you be a part of the tribe if you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com under support us it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for your for love, your love and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>